Well, hello and welcome to the Profit Express. I'm Tim Healy, and I'm inviting you to join me each and every Wednesday so you can be prepared to win the battle for business. That's right. So thanks for being on board today. And of course, a big thank you to our good friends and sponsors, Corbett Public Relations, where they've been promoting and protecting businesses and brands for over 30 years. So hey, do yourself a favor. Visit Bill and his team at CorbettPR.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T-P-R dot com. Welcome aboard, everybody. So it is time to win the battle for business. Now, if you're listening and you have a business and you have a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenues as, as we currently stand, and you've often thought of, hey, I would just love to double, triple sales, get to seven figures, get to eight figures, then today's show is for you. So if just the mention of growing your business to s from six to seven to eight figures has you hungry, has you intrigued and interested, don't go anywhere. Because today's guest has an awful lot to say about his own personal experience when it comes to winning big and winning the battle for business. He is Ryan Margolin. He's the CEO of Professional Hair Labs. And it started around back in 2009 when he jumped into his father's kind of fledgling, floundering business where revenues were about $275,000. And inside of 18 months, he tripled sales, but he didn't stop there. As of 2023, he has sold over, over 50, 50 million dollars of his product globally. So Ryan and his story is a perfect one to share on the Profit Express, and that's why I'm very excited to have him on today. Ryan Margolin, CEO of Professional Hair Labs, how are you today? I am good, Tim. Thanks. How about yourself? I appreciate the opportunity. I'm looking forward to it. No, I mean, you are the quintessential success story. You're the quintessential small business story where, you know, you got to a certain point, you know, it, you were floundering, you know, again, you stepped in. I don't want you, I know you're going to share the story, but there's so much that we're going to unpack that I know so many people are listening to. They're like, yeah, I've been, I've been wallowing in six figures too long. You know, what, what did this guy do? So let me start with this because the story has a, an unfortunate beginning. And it was your mom who actually got chemical poisoning that led to what is now, you know, the creation of what is now professional hair labs. Share that story with us if you could. Yeah, um, that's exactly where it started. Uh, my mother was a master or is a master hair technician. She's, she's uh, retired now. Um, my dad was a business owner his whole life, pretty much. He grew up in an entrepreneurial environment as well. And um, they had a hair replacement studio. And over the years of the, um, the exposure to the products that my mother was using, she got chemical poisoning and it forced her to retire early. Uh, she never truly recovered from it, although she is okay now, but uh, it was never the same for her. She can never go back to work. So uh, my dad decided to sell the hair replacement studios and he focused his attention to creating a product line that was safe for not only technicians, for, for the individuals wearing the hair systems as well. So that's really where the company started. Um, the innovation and the creation and the, I suppose, the ideation of the business at its core uh, came from an extremely creative mind. My dad was always great with ideas. 
but I think what happened then is, you know, 40 years of bad habits and um, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome kind of stopped the company and the, and the product and the business from being as successful as it was able to be. So it was quite stagnant for many years. Uh, and that's really where the journey started and what I saw when I came into the business. So, all right, so this is, all right, again, fortunately, you said your, your mom is better today, fortunately. Um, yes. But then your father, who's a creative mind, formulates this, what is a, a healthy, safe alternative, you know, healthy for the, the customer, healthy for the technician to apply it. So he creates this, this product line, which is not an easy task, but you mentioned a few things that were kind of interesting. Bad habits and imposter syndrome led him to kind of stagnating. So I'll get to imposter syndrome in a minute. So he gives you a call, knows he's kind of floundering. You come in sales of 275 or so. What were some of the fundamental changes? Because tripling any level of sales in 18 months is significant. You stepped in. What did you determine had to be done to triple sales in 18 months? Uh, so I spent the first six months learning about the business. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually, during those six months, three of those were actually spent manually building uh, an Excel sheet of all the hair replacement studios in the United States. Uh, back then in 2009, I wasn't really familiar with, you know, what scrapers were. There wasn't really that many tools available. So it was all right. manual lifting. So during that process and that six months, I learned um, there were some really key points that were just letting the company down. Number one was the branding. Number two was the messaging. And number three was the sales and the operations. Uh, there was holes in all of them. And I think what it did was it stopped people paying attention to what was really important uh, inside of the, the business, huh. which was the solution that this product brings to the marketplace. So you identify branding, marketing, and sales. So this <laughs> quite a bit of holes that you had to had to plug up and, and triage and fix, no doubt. Um, so you're, you're in business with your dad, and I think I've also heard you're also in business with, yeah, I think you have two brothers in the business? Yep. Yeah, so myself and my two brothers are owners of the company now um, okay. through a whole process of succession planning. Right, so right. Uh, it's... You know, it's the three of us in it. Now, what kind? So this is kind of interesting. So you, you take over the business in 09. You, you have, you know, relatively speaking, some immediate success, even though it's 18 months. But in business terms, that's really quick. Um, yeah. What was the family dynamic like? Because family businesses, they can be very interesting. Um, and you mentioned imposter syndrome. You know, were there issues with your dad's ego maybe early on? You know, it, it's the one thing we all have, Tim, is an ego. And uh, I think as you, uh, as you get older and, and more mature, well, actually not for everybody, but you try to, you know, you try to learn how to control that because at right. the end of the day, I believe an ego is something that needs to exist within oneself in order to progress. But at the sure. same time, you need to know how to leverage that and use that. It's not like a, it, it, it can actually make you or break you in a lot of cases. So, um, you know, look, working in a familiar environment, it, it was tough at the beginning. And look, it still has its challenges. I mean, like any other business, whether you're working with family or whether you have shareholders, um, you know, they, they both come with their different sets of challenges. But uh, I think what really worked for us was the simple fact that 
uh, myself and my two brothers were very empathetic individuals. And we always like to put ourselves in, in the position of another while we're looking at a, um, a challenging situation. And that has allowed us to communicate through uh, 95% of everything that we faced, which is why things move forward the way they did. Yeah, we've had times of, you know, uh, challenges where we couldn't see eye to eye, but mm. ultimately there's always common ground. So with the three brothers then, um, the three of you are able to, again, nothing's perfect. This is going to be arguments, et cetera, et cetera. But now we're talking since 2009, so it's been a number of years already. Um, the three of you are able to kind of, you know, it sounds like you have a, a common vision and mission, which keeps you guys moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think what's really important is that we were able to have those honest conversations with each other and really figure out what our strong points and our weak points were in terms of how we could serve the company and its goals. Uh, mm -hmm. Our vision and our, we're all on the same page. We know where we want the company to be. We know what we wanted to achieve. Uh, and now, you know, we've had very open conversations about what we can bring to the table. And that kind of is, that's kind of what naturally led us to sit into the positions in the company that we were in because we had to make those decisions ultimately. As we started to grow, uh, our team started to build out. Uh, mm -hmm. We needed to make sure that we as leadership were in the right positions to provide the best to the company. I think in, in doing some research for the show, I came across you did a, a TED talk not too long ago. And in it, you shared a story of your father who had, um, you know, I don't say offered, but, you know, kind of gave you a non-compete. Uh, it seemed like it was an interesting moment for yourself and the business. You know, that could be a very interesting conversation. So uh, how did that work out? How did you, how did you navigate that? That... Um that was a defining moment for me. Look, I mean, it wasn't as straightforward as sitting down one day and that, you know, that, that was served to me. It was a collective of conversations and ultimately knowing, you know, I mean, your family, you know each other intimately. Uh, I knew kind of what was coming. But the key, that moment of when you're actually served something like that after giving so much to mm -hmm. something for so long and sacrificing so much uh, unbeknownst to other people. Uh, it really just defined for me that, you know, I had my own personal goals and my own things I wanted to achieve. And if I wanted, you know, to write my own story, I couldn't allow somebody else to hold the pen. That's really what it came down to. That moment changed everything for me. And it kind of shifted from a moment of where I think my dad saw me as just his son to somebody who, okay, look, you know, he's his own person and uh, I need to just kind of get out of his way. And that's really what that that moment came down to. There was a lot of there was a lot of things that happened within it, but sure. ultimately, I think at the end, the result was, uh, you know, it's time to move out of the way now and let these guys do what they need to do. Because look, at the time, my brothers were involved with the company as well, and um, it kind of just said to me everything that I needed to know. And going back to the whole, you know, imposter syndrome, where maybe, you know, you're looking at the outside of what somebody is doing, and maybe that momentum. And that progress is making you feel uncomfortable because, you know, it's surpassing and exceeding uh, maybe everything that you've achieved in the past. But not only that, everything you were willing to do to bring your mm. company forward. So I think there, there was a whole lot of moving parts within that. And uh, look, fortunately, it changed things, but it didn't destroy things. 
do you think so you come in there now and again I, I know he's your father I'm the host of a, of a podcast and you know I'm asking the questions that I know the, the 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 listeners are asking themselves right now and they want me to ask so your your dad is creative enough he creates a whole new product line which is no small feat but you know it seems like, you know, obviously when you took over his $275,000, you know, sales and marketing wasn't his strong suit. You come in, you, you, your brothers completely revamped the company. Then he says, you know, then the whole non-compete situation arises. Do you think there was a moment where your dad kind of felt like he was just getting left behind? And was that his, his way to kind of maybe hold on to something? I think so. I, th I think there's a whole collective of things, you know, I mean, when you when you try to control things like that, it comes from a position of especially, you know, from a familiar perspective. I mean, you, you you go back as far as childhood trauma that that you have to go all the way back there to try to understand, uh, you know, the mechanisms people use to feel safe, you know. Yeah. So um, it was a lot of communication through that where, you know, I was able to make him comfortable enough to not only say to him, look, I'm not this isn't happening. I'm, I'm ready to walk if this is the future of the company you want. But at the second, you know, right. on the second side of that, it's like, this is unnecessary. You know, I have your mm. best interest at heart. And I think, you know, look through a lot of open conversations, we were able to navigate that and uh, get over that hump. But it was just, um, it was a very, it was a very um, eye opening time for me in terms of you know, watching what happened when, when you're served something like that, it's not only the dynamics of between you and the individual, but it's the dynamics of the environment and the way mm -hmm. that changes. So um, I realized at that point, then it was it was either, you know, go big or go home. And um, <laughs> that's really what, that was what triggered the 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 hunger and the um, and the, you know, and, and, and the motivation for me. And I was, I was a little, I was a little bit younger then. And you know what? I realized that maybe that's not the best motivation. You know, I, 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 I've learned that like, if, if you allow yourself to be motivated on the back of someone else's act, they really truly still have control over you. Yeah. But if you can do what needs to be yeah. done without the motivation or action of another, that's where you start to see real progress. And I mm -hmm. think over a short period of time after that, I, I started to see that. And, uh, I look back on that moment as a learning curve. Now, you shared something, and, and I think you might have mentioned it in that TED Talk. You know, if you want to write your own, I'm paraphrasing, if you want to write your own stories, yeah. you can't let somebody else hold a pen. Yeah. Man, I like that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, no one's going to do it for you. And um, ultimately, if you're not getting the results you want, you just really haven't become the person that you need to be to right. achieve it. And, and right. I mean, that's a cliched statement, but it is actually very true. So, listen, I, I think it's also a testament to, you know, yourself, your dad, your brothers, that it was a tough time. You know, I'm sure there was some mm. tough conversations, but there, there's not a business mm. operating today where whether it was a family owned business or just, you know, the owners got around and they didn't have to navigate tough conversations. You know, so it's a yeah. testament to you guys that you're, you know, you're, you, you came in on the winning end there. Yeah. And you know what, we, we, we often talk about that, you know, and you know, we, we, we kind of, um, you know, it's always good to, you know, to look back a little bit sometimes and realize how far you have, have actually come as individuals, Never mind the success of the company. Um, it always kind of puts you back into a space where you realize that, look, you know, you have paid attention to 
uh, the challenges and have actually moved towards the pain and the uncomfortable feelings to address them mm. so you can move mm -hmm. forward. Because if you keep running from those feelings, it will catch you at some point. And unfortunately for a lot of businesses and a lot of people, um, it's usually too late by the time that happens. So we try not to let that happen. <laughs> well, listen, you, we, we talked about ego earlier and, you know, I don't think you could be a successful business owner without ego, but it's a matter of, of managing it and balancing it. So it's not all yeah. consuming. Um, exactly. I, I want to forgive me here. I'm going to read it because it's a quote. And I, it was a quote from your Ted talk, uh, which I certainly would recommend people watching it. I thought it was a great talk. And you said here, and I quote, uh, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. Are you ready to face the person in the mirror? And that caught my attention, obviously. So here's my question to you, Ryan, based off of that quote. When was the first time in the growth of professional hair labs where you had to kind of apply that quote saying, hey, you know what? I have to you know, take responsibility for this. I'm the guy looking in the mirror. Yeah, so I actually, and I can answer that immediately because it was um, it was the first major change for me. So in 2009, uh, when I moved to the States and we spent the 18 months there, uh, I came back to Ireland and um, we decided we were going to open a location in Ireland to use as our uh, global distribution center because, mm -hmm. you know, accessibility throughout Europe is easy access and then, you know, better shipping, logistics, everything. And... I was like, you know, I came, I came out, I came away from the States and I'm like, look, we achieved this in a short period of time. I know the system. I I'm, I'm just going to replicate what we've done here and I'm going to take it to Ireland and I'm going to do the same thing and it's going to be brilliant. And we're going to have a company that triples again, six months into that journey, it fell flat in its face. And, uh, really? that was a moment where I realized the only person that I can blame for this or I can actually look towards to fix this is myself because ultimately I'm the one who made the decisions. I'm the one who made the moves. There's nobody else here I can turn to, to, you know, to, to bounce the ball with. Um, right. I need to figure this out. So that was, that was my defining moment. And I realized that how they do business in Europe is not how they do business in the U S Europe is, you know, um, there's so many different cultures and the way people expect to do business that differ from the States and right. uh, unless I was willing to take a look at my own faults and how I approach things, there was no way I was ever going to be able to um, expect anyone to want to build a business relationship with our company in Europe. Wow. So that, that was that moment. So, again, I've, I've never I just know business in America. I've never done business in, in, in Europe. Um, what what was what you, so you go six months in and you fall flat which is very interesting like you said hey i thought i could replicate it what were some of the you know the, the the immediate lessons that you learned anything in particular that stood out yeah i i think um i i think people in in, in europe it, it stood out to me that they were more um they were more focused on building the relationship than they were the transaction and uh for me uh, i I always have been someone who gets in and out of what I do. Like if I go to an event, I'm in, I go with a very intentional focus and I get out and I was not getting any success with that. Uh, I, and I realized it was because I just, um, while I was, a, a, I know who I am as a person, I'm a very caring, empathetic, uh, individual. 
right. when I came, when it came to business, I was very protective of my time because I knew I had so little of it and, uh, people just weren't connecting with it. So that, 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 that to me was, was one of the biggest things that stuck out with me is that I had to get some time to know people. And, uh, when I, when I started to visit some of the distributors and stuff, they were bringing me out for dinner. Uh, you know, we would have long conversations about, you know, everything from, uh, uh, personal beliefs to, you know, business experiences. And, uh, what I realized is that the thing that really felt, uh, that they really felt connected to was the person, not the business. And that's when my mindset changed about the type of company that I wow. wanted us to be. So, so you, you were more used to, and I can appreciate that, uh, the, the transactional getting in, getting out when, you know, the, the European culture, the European style, a lot more relationship building conversations will take us slow. Let me get to know you first. That was like the, the, the big, big difference. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the main thing for me. I mean, naturally there were other little nuances in it, sure. but sure. ultimately anyone that we do business with in Europe now, I have a, I have a very good relationship with. And, uh, and that's, that's, that, that changed me for the better, you know, because I realized yeah. sometimes, sometimes it's not all about going fast. You do need to slow it down a little bit sometimes. Wow. So like you had to show them some love before you got to business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. And look, it, it, you know, at the end of it, 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 it became a, a mutual, uh, uh, win-win relationship, you know, um, look, it, it, when you, when you first start your entrepreneurial journey, um, you know, and, and when there's not a lot of money involved, um, you know, money is the issue, you know, money yeah. is the, the, the solution that, you know, to, that solves a, a lot of your problems. But, mm -hmm. um, when the money is there, you get a whole set, a whole different set of problems and, and money can't fix them, you know? Wow. So that was, that was very interesting. I'm glad I asked that one. So again, personally, not having done business, you know, outside of the U S um, now one thing I came across which I actually have not really discussed with previous guests over the many years on the Profit Express. You and I found it interesting. Unfortunately, uh, your brand, your product, is counterfeited, and and it costs you guys some serious bucks. How do you combat it? Can you prevent it? What what do you do with that? So we've spent an untold amount of money over the last five years defending our IP rights and our position in the marketplace. Um, mm. Estimated losses for us on a yearly basis at the moment is somewhere in the region of about $5 million, right? So mm. it's not small change. Um, we, and we, wow. we know this through our, our different uh, technologies that we use to scour the internet, but more importantly, our efforts on the ground and brick and mortar stores. So what we eventually did was I... I spent about two years trying to figure this out. It's like counterfeiters are extremely intelligent. They know exactly what they're doing. It's their bread and butter. They move very fast and much faster than I'm ever going to be able to move much faster than probably a team of 10 people that I may have with me will ever right. move because they right. know it intimately. So like everything, I started to think about tech, tech, uh, technology solutions. So I hired a team of developers. I built our own custom solution for our brand, which is now something that we're going to, uh, over the coming, you know, quarters potentially roll out to our own clients. And then ultimately it'll be a software as a service solution, um, called clarity codes. And it's an anti counterfeit, uh, app that will allow brands to print codes, uh, create codes from our system, print them on their packaging. It won't only be able to allow the customer to scan their codes and 
you know, see if it's a legitimate product. But if there's any issue with the scan or if it's a replicated code, it will notify uh, the admin, the owner of the brand, and it will give them real-time data of the hotspots that these codes are having issues with. Oh. So effectively, it's a data collection uh, of, of counterfeit leads, really. And we know now exactly where to lead our investigators to to go look in areas. We do test buys of 10, 15 locations in those areas. And then we start to see what comes up as counterfeits. And that's how we've started to combat it. And we're getting great progress now that we launched that about six months ago with our own brand. Wait, so I'm, A, it's really cool. But the first thing I'm thinking of, you know what I'm thinking of. This is going to be a completely other business for you guys. Oh, yeah. It's a whole other business model. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, because what, what, what other companies, not... what other companies wouldn't want it who are dealing with counterfeiting? Yeah. Wow. And you know what? The solution is not unique, but what it does come from, it comes from a really deep understanding of experience in the counterfeit world um, right. because we've been through I, I've been hands on with the process the whole time. So uh, any new features or any performance or functionality uh, right. has been developed from, you know, our thoughts and uh, because we've been through it. So I think naturally we already have the edge on most of the companies who just develop coding solutions, you know, they're, they're great, but do they really solve the problems of a business owner? For example, right. For example, um, private label customer comes to us and, you know, wants to buy product from us. We supply to them and they're just getting started. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, they built some good relationships with some retail stores or some, uh, beauty stores, but not, everyone can get access to their content. So what, right. what happens is, is that when a brand gets onloaded onto the system, uh, they get their own unique codes. And when a customer of theirs scans that code, it opens a whole environment of their uh, videos and contents through the Clarity Code app, which is singular to the code that they scan. So they can't see any videos from this brand's uh, 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 vault until they scan a code that belongs to one of their products. So it just unlocks a whole untapped resource for that customer to be able to be delivered, not only messages about brand launches, right. uh, but also updated uh, changes either in their packaging or te or, um, or uh, tutorials, whatever it may be. And I know that that's a key part that's missing in our industry is direct access to the customer that's not email uh, huh. to send content. Wow. So well, listen, if, if, if the estimates are that you're losing five million a year, you know, that's certainly a business worth pursuing. So that, that sounds like a very exciting project. Wow. That's interesting. Jeez. It, no, and it, it has been. And, it, you know, look, I'm excited to see what it's going to turn into in the future. But right now it's performing exactly as intended and uh, we will keep running with it. Awesome. Awesome. So as as a business owner. And there's never just one, but I'm going to ask you anyhow. What do you think has been the one attribute or characteristic of Ryan that has led you as the CEO to create the success you currently enjoy? Uh, well, it, it, it could the attribute could be a blessing and a fault. Um, me personally, I have just the way I'm wired, I have this insatiable hunger to just win, uh, whether it's, you know, whether it's anything that I've done business or sport or, or anything, 
I I like to win. And when 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 we do get the result, um, I don't really spend enough time, which I, I'm trying to get better at. I don't really spend enough time uh, sitting for a moment and enjoying the small wins. Uh, uh, I actually just check the box and it's done and it's next and it's on to the next one. So you got you to slow down, that, Ryan. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what way to look at that just yet. I, I'm still trying to figure that part of it out. But look, it is what it is. Right, right. Yeah, like you said, it, it's it's positive and negative for sure. Um, yeah. This is this is this has been a great conversation. I mean, there's so many interesting elements. We we have we have family, you have father. You know, we have tripling sales from six to seven to eight figures. We have counterfeiting. Um, but let me ask you one of my 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 favorite questions to ask. You know, people in your position. So now you've been in a part of professional. Uh, hair labs for since tw- 2009. Yeah. If you had a do over, what would it be? If I had, like, if I had to start from the beginning, uh, a- a- anything, what would I do? Anything that you could change, what would it be? I, for me, looking back, I'm, I, I don't do regrets, but I, you know, I think um, for me, it would be spend the time to become more emotionally intelligent to know when you have to hand things off because the sacrifice for that at the end of the day is not worth it. Um, that's the one thing I think I would do over because I spent 12 to 15 hour days intently focused on the growth of this company. I mean, I, you know, I was working on the day my second daughter was born. I took maybe six hours off and, uh, I missed out on a lot of key things to make, a lot of it happened at the beginning when we opened our Irish location and in hindsight and what I was taught even by some of my mentors, Mm -hmm. um, if I would have known those things a little bit earlier, I think it would have saved me a lot of that, um, a lot of that, uh, um, uh, regret. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Um, listen, Ryan, this, this has been a great conversation. Uh, People want to learn more about you, follow your story, the company. What's the best way to, to stay stay in contact? Uh, so the company is on every major social media channel, uh, Facebook, right. Instagram, TikTok. Um, my main hangout is LinkedIn. Uh, right. I have an Instagram account, but it's more so for personal stuff. My LinkedIn is where all the business stuff goes. So um, I'm always open to, to connections. So if, uh, if anyone has any questions or if they just want to – know something or a piece of information, I'm always available. Awesome. Awesome. Ryan, it's been a great conversation. I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for being on board the Profit Express. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And this is the Profit Express. And make sure to be on the lookout every Wednesday as great shows like the one I just had with today's guest, Ryan Margolin, who is the CEO of Professional Hair Labs. Talk about a story. You know, if you want to be inspired to double, triple sales, this, this, is, this is one to tune into for sure. So, again, be on the lookout. Shows drop on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Hit the bell, hit the follow, hit the like. You know the whole routine. So until next time. Let's continue to win the battle for business.